0: Welcome to the Real Self University Podcast. I'm Eva Shea, your host and director of practice development at Real Self. Today's episode features Real Self CEO Tom Siri standing in for me as host, and he takes us to the consumer side of the Real Self Marketplace to hear from our special guest, Denise Jeske. Denise is a career brand marketer and the leader of Real Self's consumer marketing efforts, and she's here to share her approach to driving more qualified patients to practices.
1: Today, I've got a real special guest. It's a member of my team, a vice president, and her name is Denise Jesky.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
1: Tell me about what your role is at RealSelf and you know, what you do for a living with us.
2: Yeah. So I've been at RealSelf for about two years. And as you mentioned, I'm the vice president of consumer marketing. And I see my main job really understanding who our consumer is, who is really looking for aesthetic procedures and researching researching those procedures and really getting into their mindset and understanding what are the key questions that they have so that we can provide them with the right information and the right content so they communicate and can connect with real self. We do that through all our marketing channels and that's inclusive of social media, email, our brand new events, our content, and our PR communications as well.
1: So you use the term marketing. To you, that's just, it's obvious what that means. But what is your own definition of marketing? Because it's, is it a science? Is it voodoo? Is it well-defined? Or is it something that needs a lot more work before people really understand what that means?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of definitions out there for marketing. And I think of marketing both as an art and a science, So to me, where a lot of the science is, is really understanding all the data that we have about our consumers and understanding that that not just their behaviors, but why they're acting the way that they're acting. Why is it that they're seeking that particular information? How are they feeling about that information? So really putting it all together, looking at the competitive landscape, looking at all the other factors that really affect and touch our particular brand, in this case, Real Self. And then looking at how we best activate that and connect with those consumers. And a lot of people think of marketing as like the advertising piece. That's really just like kind of the output of all the work that we're doing behind the scenes to that particular communication. So when we say something like real self is your go-to advisor for cosmetic decisions, there's a lot of work that we've done behind the scenes to really understand what is it that the consumer is looking for and how we can add value to that consumer to get to that expression and that communication that we put in front of consumers.
1: Yeah. So really nuanced. In other words, there's a lot of nuance inside of marketing.
2: Yeah, it is. And then I think that's what I love about it. It's like, a lot of people ask me like, what's your typical day? And there's really no typical day. You know, one day I could be looking at events and what is it that we're doing in those particular events and how we're executing. And another day I could be looking at our email program and why is it that particular email really resonated with our consumers? And another day I could be really thinking about what is the next promise that I want to give to our consumers? How do I increase the trust that consumers have on real self or the doctors in our platform?
1: Here's where my audience is made up of a lot of individuals who are Mm -hmm. listening very carefully to every word you say. And they are mostly, though, in the world of small to mid-sized businesses, medical practices, Serving consumers for needs that are discretionary, and you know, I've talked to doctors before. Say, oh, I have a marketer. Yeah, I have a marketer on my staff actually. And I'll say, oh, tell me about them. Say, so, well, mm-hmm. they were previously working for an agency where they create billboards, or something that you know just has some element of the world of marketing inside of them. So, what is it that is important for practices to hear from you in terms of what does it mean? for a practice to have an individual helping them think through marketing as an overall science, as you say, and and art so that they get the full picture, not just maybe one element of it.
2: Yeah. And it really varies from practice to practice and it will vary from individual to individual. So I think The best thing that they could do is really understand what is it that they want for their practice. If it's established practice, you may use slightly different tactics than if you're just brand new and you want to acquire a new audience. And then you also have to define what's your brand as a doctor. So I think having that conversation and that direct dialogue with a marketer to say, here's what I want to be known for. Here is the type of audience that I think I can appeal to. And that person can kind of advise and say, yes, absolutely. I can see how I can talk about you in this way, and then this is the different channels that we can use for that audience. And then it depends on where they are located to make sure that the message is relevant to the particular audience. If you're in Miami, you may want to consider hey, this is the audience that I have here is a lot of Spanish speakers. How do I reach that audience compared to perhaps if you're in Seattle, where we know we might be a little bit more conservative on the way that we approach cosmetic procedures. So it's having that dialogue and making sure that you have something to stand out for. And then that that marketer is drafting that message, drafting that communication and finding the channels that are relevant to the audience that the doctor wants to target.
1: Yeah, I think in a nutshell, what you just said, standing out, is something that a doctor could certainly recognize as a goal for their marketing effort. There's a lot of competition. It's very hard to stand out sometimes because of social media and all sorts of other you know, websites all kind of looking the same. And that idea of standing out is something that our own data has shown is important to consumers too. Can you speak to that a little bit in terms of the specialization that individuals are looking for in doctors and they're just not looking for somebody who has the the actual you know, say board certification, but they're looking beyond that or deeper than that. Can you explain that a bit?
2: Yeah. When we ask consumers what they're looking for when searching for a provider, they want to see the certifications, like Mm -hmm. what school they've gone to. And I mean, those are checks. And I think I see that in most of the doctor profiles where they've gone to school, but they also want to know what are they specializing on? And specializing to a consumer means like, are you a rhinoplasty doctor or are you a mommy makeover doctor? What is that thing that you're known for?
1: But what if you do everything? You know, many doctors we work with at Real Self have head-to-toe expertise. They've learned how to do procedures across the entire body. Can you help me understand how that's yeah works with what you just said?
2: Yeah, I think that's great, and I think that that's like as marketers, we're always choosing what do I want to be known for, right? For the brand, what do we want to be known for? As Real Self, or some of the other brands I've worked on, and you could very well have a message that, hey, i I do everything. Just know that. For that person that's looking for just a rhinoplasty doctor, sure, that might not be the best option, but for that person that's looking for perhaps someone that is highly recommended, that has great reviews and that they like your work, I think that's definitely a formula that works for you. I would say that showing the work that and kind of what's your vision for it is also important to consumers. They want to know that they connect with the doctor and then they have the same kind of aesthetics. So the photos that you use even on the landing page or your homepage is very important because that kind of gives the consumer that like, oh, this particular doctor that's this type of work or is trying to attract this audience. If I'm a, probably bad example, but if I'm a 40-year-old person and I see a lot of images of 20-year-old people that don't look anything like me, i right. would probably be like, you know, this is not the doctor for me. I can't me. see
1: myself there. In I, that,
2: yeah, you know. I can't see myself there. This mm-hmm. is not the results that I'm looking for. And that's part of what the communication you with your marketer should be.
1: I've heard that for women of skin color, for sure. They say, I can't see myself in that practice because I don't see any women who look like me. And it just seems like a either a, a huge opportunity or maybe an oversight that exists in the overall medical aesthetic space.
2: Yeah. I mean, not to give all my demographics out, but I mean, I'm from Hispanic descent. And to me, that's just something that I certainly look for. Like, hey, I look this way and I know everyone looks very different, but is this a doctor that I think that I could connect with to get to the results that I'm interested in? So definitely those are connections that consumers are looking for when they're looking for doctors.
1: Let's go to what you just said about your own view. It sounds like you're using some emotion in how you are approaching the decision, not just, you know, left brain statistics and information that is like, well, what is this person certified in? What are their experiences and so forth?
2: Yeah. I think that the the statistics, the credentials, the profile help get a lot of the consumers at the door. And then that connection that they have with consumers is what makes them feel like this is the right decision for me. They do a lot of data gathering even before going to the doctor's office. They talk to friends when they feel like their friends can be trusted. They look at community boards. So They spend hours and hours researching these procedures, looking at different doctor's offices. And then when they finally get there, it's it's such an emotional decision. I think the thing that attracted me to real self was that I had worked in a lot of other brands and products. And get into that emotional conversation with consumers in most other products was really hard. We would spend days with them, like the same consumer. But well, you
1: worked on cheese, so oh, uh, <laughs> you must have been like
2: and coffee and beverages. Tell me and... what
1: this orange cheese evokes <laughs> in your life.
2: There's famous brands which I won't mention right now, but try to understand when we're doing innovation. We really wanted to understand what was driving the consumers, mm-hmm. what was changing their behavior who was inspiring their decisions and how they were shopping or or making those decisions. And in most other categories, they're very transactional. Even for famous coffee brands that I won't mention that you think have that emotional connection, it was hard to get to that connection with consumers. Here, first day in focus groups or, you know, meeting with consumers, the emotions were raw and at the front, like within five minutes. They were opening up about what was it that they're feeling, why they felt that way, why they felt that cosmetic procedures were an investment in themselves and how they would put this above many other purchases that mm-hmm. they were considering.
1: Connecting to that emotional part is what you're saying is critical for any practice, any brand trying to thrive in the medical sex space, correct?
2: Yeah, that's a differentiator, right? Like, do I understand what this brand can offer me? And do I feel that they have my best interest in mind, not just what the marketing pitch, but really, no, like, this is how I feel and really understand me, they get me. And that's really what consumers are looking for in those connections.
1: I think that inside of there, there's a challenge. Okay, so many years ago, I read an article or a journal uh, piece about, how empathy is trained out of doctors. Empathy is something that has no place in an ER or doing your rounds at four in the morning or dealing with the next person who comes into the emergency room and spits in your face, whatever. You know, all this stuff that happens. And most doctors tend to be rational actors. And so, for instance, when they see a review on RealSelf or on Yelp or any other platform that allows consumers to share their opinions and and it's an emotional story, of a feelings-based versus facts-based, it drives doctors crazy. And I think some of it might sit with the fact that's been, and I don't say that doctors lack complete empathy, I'm Mm -hmm. just saying there is data and science and studies about empathy being trained out of you, which I can relate to. But how is that doctor supposed to get to that emotional state with a consumer if it's not their natural place of being? And so since being authentic is so important as we keep telling doctors.
2: Yeah, and I really think it varies from consumer to consumer. I think the way that we marketers look at it in a lot of ways, it's like, here's what, what I stand for. Here are the facts, right? Like Here is what my brand tenants or pillars are and what I want everyone to know me for. And then if you communicate those things to the consumer and you say, hey, I'm going to be the best at this, or you should come to me because these are my kind of standing qualities what we call it is like, how do we get to that emotional pillars? And really, if you do those kind of factual things right, and then kind of communicate those to the consumers, then those relationships, you don't necessarily have to say, when you come to me, you're gonna feel this way. It's just all the combination of things. Is the aftercare or is the doctor genuinely concerned about the output? Are my questions getting answered? Even if they're factual or delivered in a very factual way, is do I feel like this doctor has my best interest and explains to me that why this is my best interest more so than I just come in and come out and get my procedure. So there's a lot of things that get you to that ultimate emotional connection, as long as you know what you stand for and kind of say like, here's who I am, here's what I do, and then just kind of have that conversation an upfront conversation with a consumer.
1: Yeah, I've seen practices successfully do this with bringing their staff members who are, very passionate about what they do, are very emotionally connected to the patients and sharing on places like social media and Instagram, they're able to paint a picture of a comprehensive, both we have the doctor who offers the mastery of the skills match with an understanding of where you've been and where you're trying to go.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the key. It's just really understanding the consumer and yourself. I mean, part of the journey is not just who's coming into my door, but also what are the services and how I'm going to deliver the services to the consumer. I think one of the key things here is that there is a one-on-one connection. For us marketers, that's like gold, right? We, in a lot of instances, we, with an Instagram post or an email, we reach millions of people or thousands of people, but that one-on-one interaction in a lot of instances is the most important which is how we're also kind of migrating into events because that's the one place where we can meet consumers in person and shake their hand and see what they're thinking and how we can best help them.
1: Yeah, I, I do want to talk to you about events and mm-hmm. and that real self is doing and how that is, you know, much of it's your brainchild and your team putting that together. But, you know, you talked about this one-on-one, but you actually look at big numbers typically and you have to discern from those numbers what's working, what's not. So, When I've talked to you in the past, you've talked to what you've mentioned. Well, we actually reach over 100 million consumers every year Mm -hmm. through multiple channels, multiple places, not just on realself.com, but on other mediums. Can you talk about one of those channels that is really near and dear to you and your team and some of the metrics around there so people can kind of size it? And then how do you learn from that since it is somewhat dis... Connected from that individual understanding and that individual level of insight.
2: Yeah, I think one of the channels we can talk about is email. Well, we that have...
1: sounds old. Uh, you want to talk about email, really? Okay,
2: because... you want me to talk about social?
1: <laughs> no, no, I've, I've, I'm actually teasing you because yes. <laughs> I I have to just look. I I've been invited on. Probably too many podiums. People are going to see less of me on podiums because I think I, you know, it gets redundant maybe to see me, but I've been on lots of podiums. I don't think the concept or topic of email has been subject for 10 years. So I, I'm teasing you a little bit that the first thing you say is email, but why? You must have brought it up for a reason.
2: Yeah. The reason I brought up email is because we don't talk about it enough. I mean, I can sit here and talk to you about social and say, hey, we reach 4 million people across all our social channels, but I think. We know that. I mean, with our platform being so visual, I think it's obviously we know and all the powers of social.
1: Everybody can see the numbers and see, wow, you got a lot of followers. So you clearly reach a lot of people.
2: Yeah, Yeah. but I think the beauty of email and one channel that we don't talk enough about is that we can really reach our audience with personalized message as well. Mm -hmm. So right now we have about, with each one of our emails, we reach about 1.5 million people. And we're sending multiple emails every week, whether it's our user-generated content digest, or a weekly newsletter. And we're sending different topics which allow a lot of consumers to discover new procedures. In a lot of instances, when we see consumers researching things, they'd be like, go straight to Botox, or they can go straight to Mommy Makeover. Mm -hmm. But there's just so many options out there to consumers. And email, as well as social, is a great channel to introduce these new things to consumers. We have an amazing content team writing 40 editorial stories every month, and this is a vehicle that we can use to share and spread that with a very engaged audience. We're having consumers opening our emails, engaging with the content, clicking through multiple stories, and really learning more about beauty and learning about before and afters and kind of doing the research that way and their discovery. So that's why I talk about email and, and the more sophisticated we get with time is that we can segment consumers because we know that there's consumers more interested in aging and then there's some consumers that are, might be more interested in other procedures like mommy makeovers and stuff. So we're able to target and deliver that content depending on the consumer and even follow them through the journey. Hey, we, we just know that you had this particular procedure. Tell us more about it. And that's something that we can do very well through email.
1: One of the things that I've heard your team use in meetings is this concept of owned channels and email being an example of that. What does that mean? And can you explain that? Yeah, Why is that important to your team?
2: Yeah. So owned channels are the ones that, like the term says, we own and we control. So this one gives us our database of consumers, the ones that register with RealSelf. We have more information about them normally, and Mm -hmm. we're able to control the messaging and the delivery. So those examples of those would be social, like our YouTube, we own the Real Self YouTube account or the Instagram account or our email. There's these other channels that are paid channels, and those are the ones that where we're putting dollars to kind of amplify our messaging through paid media. So if you ever see one of our ads on a billboard or on the radio or a digital ad, those are what we call our paid channels because we're paying those partners to put the Real Self messaging out there. And then earn is primarily our PR channel. So what is based if we're doing an event in a particular place, or if we have an amazing story about safety and other publications start talking about it and citing real self as authority for that information, that's earned media. We don't pay for it. We truly earn that respect and that mention from other publications.
1: It sounds like you have to put together a lot of puzzle pieces. That's my visual I have when you just described that as a bunch of puzzle pieces coming together. Maybe that's the wrong visual representation for you. Maybe it's a bullseye. But what's at the center of that? What what holds it all together and pulls everything in the same direction?
2: So what holds it all together is really understanding the consumer and then the brand. So when you see our messaging or our stories or any of our photos, we really put real self at the center. And what Real Self is, is our community stories, our doctors, and then all the unbiased information that we present on our platform. So through those pillars is what we're communicating and trying to drive that brand consistency so that if consumers see come to realself.com or see an email mm-hmm. from us or see a story from us is all consistent. So we look at the same things like the same fonts, the same colors, the same voice and tone and the way that we express ourselves The way that we treat our photography with no retouching and all that stuff is really how we bring that consistency so that when consumers see us anywhere, they know, oh, this is a real self post or this is a real self image so that they come back to us and continue to interact with us.
1: So you must see, you know, as you're out in the world, you must see inconsistencies in brand all the time must drive you crazy. Do you have any examples of ones you've seen? You can use real names that you've seen that are like, whoa, I would love to have an intervention with their marketing team and talk to them about this disconnect?
2: Yeah, I think some of those brands, it's kind of unfair to mention names, but some of the examples that come to mind are some of the beverage companies. I did spend a lot of time in beverage as well and in managing a beverage brand. And we really were working and it's like, hey, here's our consumer target. Is this particular person who might be interested in watching their calories, etc. And then you see how when you go to market to market, sometimes that gets expanded into very different photography, very different messaging. The logos are all crazy. The colors are crazy. Mm. And you're like, why? I mean, like <laughs> I mentioned, I grew up in South America and some of the executions that I sell for Coke or Pepsi, I'd be like, there's no way a brand manager would put this in a calendar for Coke. So it does drive you crazy when, when you see some of those, especially when you have the brand eye and you're like, I feel bad for that brand manager that has to manage the executions across the whole country and then even in other countries.
1: Okay. So we talked about email as a channel. In terms of social media, your team has seen a lot of success there in terms of growth and learning, I would argue. What are some of the things that you personally have taken away that are maybe learnings that have surprised you?
2: Some of the learnings have surprised me. It's really how we connect more with consumers. I think consumers call it like whenever we post something that we think it's a great photo or that looks clean and it looks beautiful and it doesn't have any blemishes. You're like, oh, that's a great photo. We should be using that one. And then you post it and, and then we don't get engagement. Mm. Or we post it on our site and on our homepage and people are like, this is not real self, <laughs> so it's nice one that we have an audience that really recognizes who we are. But I think it's really putting ourselves in the consumer's shoes and finding those things that are relatable, and that's it's subtle. But when we find that, it's it's just incredible, like how much more engagement we get. Yeah, I
1: saw a, a recent post where mm-hmm. a woman was doing a plank.
2: <laughs> yes, and,
1: and at first I didn't understand why we were posting a plank picture. Like, is this an exercise oriented? and it was showing her abdomen before a mo- was it was a mommy maker or, or yeah, yeah, tummy talk and then after and just showing you know the skin taut and and so forth and just Within hours, the number of likes and comments was astronomical. Is that what you're talking about as an example?
2: Yeah, that's a great example. It's one of my favorite posts ever. And the reason for that is because it's so relatable. Like for anyone that might have considered that procedure, it's like, yes, absolutely. You can take all the before and afters of me in an office when I'm standing up straight and my shoulders are back and my hands are on the side. But that's not how I lead my real daily life, right? There's so much more on my daily life. And and that plank picture I felt like was so perfect on, yes, that's how perhaps mothers of three like me feel when we're planking. It's like, oh my gosh, this is something I feel like, this is something I've seen. This is something that I live with every single day. Totally relatable. And it's yeah. not mm-hmm. a Photoshop in an office. And And I'm hoping that we can continue to find more of those consumer stories that we can share with our audience on real life, real photos, because consumers like that. One of
1: the things that you mentioned, relatable, I've seen quite a bit of marketing in the overall medical sex space that, from my eyes, does not look very relatable. And I don't mean from a white male perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean just from trying to understand how that's targeting an audience with something that's evocative of, wow, I'd really like to learn more. I see a lot of pictures of pretty white females with blonde hair Or 18-year-olds who are used in a wrinkle reduction type ad or something that just feels very disconnected from what you just described. Is it that the marketing teams behind those brands, those products, stuck to a formula that used to work? Or do you believe maybe the insights that you're gathering are unique and and something that uh, haven't reached really the masses? And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying, observe my observation.
2: Yeah, I think it's really hard to say because what could be working for one practice could be very different to what works for another practice or what works for us at Real Mm -hmm. Self. So I think that goes back to know your audience, know yourself, and then kind of try to match those two things to make sure that you're attracting the right consumer. I think when we see some of the brands that are succeeding today in the beauty space, when we see brands like, Glossier or the Billy Racers and, and all those brands, they're really portraying much more like real people and kind of real feelings and how people feel or, or want to interact with the products and the brands and more like natural body types. So again, that's what those brands want to represent and who they're kind of targeting and catering to. I think for real self, we're all about real stories and real people and unfiltered photos. And that's what works for us. But I think ultimately it's just about matching who you are as a brand, as a doctor, as a practice and, and with the images that you show.
1: Great. One of the exciting things that your team is overseeing is a lot of experimentation. We, Mm -hmm. I love that you are a driver of experimentation with how do we learn from the consumer? How do we understand our customers better? And in particular, the events you have been driving, House of Modern Beauty, and I think you're on your fourth edition.
2: Yeah, we're doing our fourth in a week.
1: And you look exhausted.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Where's my filler? (laughs) Under eye filler.
1: Well, you did have that, that look of like, oh my gosh, yeah, fourth. It is a lot of work. Why is it a lot of work? What is it? And what makes you excited about it?
2: So our House of Modern Beauty are uh, experiential events, and I really emphasize the word experiential because we want to offer consumers experiences and education and knowledge about the world of modern beauty, which is kind of all the medical aesthetic treatments that they can have. Plus, plus. Plus, plus. Yeah. And we kind of literally set up a house for our event in the next week. It'll be kind of a, a glass house, actually, kind of a greenhouse. But we really cater it to the different markets and kind of change it depending on the markets that we go to. And we have consumers come in and talk to doctors, talk to practitioners, and learn more about each one of those procedures. And the insight really came from the world of medical aesthetics, or what we call modern beauty, it's intimidating. Consumers are curious. The curiosity is there. I mean, there's not a single dinner party I go to where my friends are not asking me about it. And the consumers are engaged. They're curious. But they really are afraid and, and unsure on how to start and like go into the category. And this is really putting it all in the open. So consumers can walk in, talk to brands, see other consumers experiencing the treatments, seeing like life before and afters and having those conversations and kind of a safe community. And they really like talking to doctors, but they also like talking to other participants and other guests of the house about what treatments they might've tried before, why they liked it, why they didn't like it, what treatment they just got in the house. They love seeing people that are coming from a facial and, and seeing the results right away or from filler or from toxins and just really seeing all the results right there. So that they feel a little bit less intimidated and less care about it and, and they really understand it and they love coming with friends so they can kind of talk about it, compare and and see what it feels like.
1: Yeah, I was talking to a doctor who participated in our New York City event and said it was like a reverse trade show. Mm-hmm. Instead of being sales reps trying to get doctors to, to hear the message and the pitch, it was flipped around where it's actually consumers having access to demos and free treatments and information and doctors were there to be supportive but it was really centered around the consumer is that by intent your design
2: yeah it's definitely centered about the consumer this events is where we truly put the consumer first they are the primary audience for this events and it does generate a lot of discovery we learned I think on our first event, we had kind of advertised some of the treatments and just kind of referred to the treatments by name because it was just common language to us. It was like, of course, you can you can have uh, Discord or Restylane or Vivace or Tempshore. And the consumers were like, what is that? Like, I have wrinkles. What do I do? So really teaching us... <laughs> how the consumer conversations should happen and how we should be talking to consumers is completely different to the way that we talk to each other, those of us who know all the different that, treatments. That's actually
1: a great a great insight that you have there around, and you mentioned this earlier, but I just mm-hmm. want to go back to it because it's important. The lack of familiarity is something that I think is easily forgotten when you're in the space. When you're doing this every day, you just lose touch with perhaps what is the typical consumer's education and understanding and awareness and knowledge. And so can you just touch upon that a bit more? Like, is there a way you can put data around that or help frame that so you can say, well, this is how often this is the case where?
2: Yeah, so we have data that says about 40% of women 18 to 65 are interested in a cosmetic procedure, surgical or non-surgical? U.S., U.S. Yeah. US. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we know that there's a big portion of the market interested on having a procedure. However, we also know that about 30 to 40% of them are very unsure of what procedure they should get. So they know their concerns. They know that perhaps there's either anti-aging or it's they want to change something or they want to do something after they've had kids but they really don't know where to even to start. They start Googling, and then they go into this Googling craziness. And and that's something why I think the Real Self Worth It rating really resonates with consumers because it's not just information, they're also combining it with other real patient results and opinions about other patients about, okay, I've heard about this procedure, is it worth it? Is it worth my money? Is it worth my time? Is it worth the side benefits? Yeah, far more risks? than just
1: did it work. Right? Yeah, far
2: yeah. more than that. We've talked to a lot of consumers and they really view, and I think I touched on this earlier, but they really view procedures as an investment, as an investment mm-hmm. on themselves. And they want to make sure that they spend the time and money on the right things. So overall, I think, like I mentioned, there's curiosity and, and interest, but consumers continue to want the ed- education. They they want to continue to learn about what do I get from this and what are the risks? Because they also don't trust necessarily the information when there's no risks, so they want to see something that stands yep. out from our procedure pages. It's like that we have side effects or risk in there. And some of them are minimal, but even just us stating them makes the consumers way more comfortable because they know that they're going informed. They know what to expect. It kind of gives them the control that they know. Here's exactly what I should be expecting. And I'm okay with whatever risk that might be mentioned.
1: Yeah. I think trust is a very interesting word to hang on for a little bit because I do believe that is at the heart of opportunity in terms of if you can find and forge a path of trust to a consumer who's on the digital platform, you're going to see lots of success as a business. But trust is in short supply in our world. One of the things your team was instrumental to changing on our platform at RealSelf was an indication of a doctor's status being verified, yeah. RealSelf verified. Can you explain why your team was so passionate about that? And also I would love to hear how is it playing out? What are we seeing the data? What is the consumer uptake of that concept and so forth?
2: So when we were doing even our basics like brand, what is real self? There were three things that consumers were looking for from real self. One was the real consumer stories, the unbiased information. And then the third thing was kind of vetted doctors. They wanted to know what doctors we had on the platform, why we feature those doctors in the platform. And they were open to saying like, yeah, it's okay if this doctor is in this platform or being featured because they're participating with real self, but just tell me what it takes for them to be here. And they wanted us to do a little bit more work for them. They, they didn't want just like, hey, these are there, here's all the doctors, like a big directory, but actually give me more information about this doctor. So that's sort of some of the consumer insights on we really wanted to match how consumers shop and then the way that we feature the doctor profiles. And the idea of verified the fact of checking the credentials, making sure the certifications are front and center, right under the doctor's names, was very important to consumers because they they felt like we were on their side on selecting the right doctor. Mm-hmm. We actually saw when we look at our metrics, trust increased significantly through the verified program. And those consumers who Are aware of the Verify program, 78% or 80% of them, depending on the month, about 80% of them believe that real self is on the side of choosing the right provider just because we added that Verify process.
1: Yeah. I've I've also thought of it as, and when doctors have asked me about, well, help me understand this a little bit in, in in another context, I say, well, have you ever used Airbnb? Well, there's this thing called Superhost you're probably familiar with. Why would you want to go to anyone other than a Superhost is question one. But secondly, Why do you trust Superhost? And the reason you trust Superhost is because you trust Airbnb Mm -hmm. and that they have set a a criteria or a level that a status that you have to achieve by doing certain activities. Is real self more trusted than other entities in the aesthetic space? Like how trusted is real self? I was asked that actually today and I was like, we are more trusted than, say, a typical doctor on their own as a consumer is doing research. I would love you to talk more about that because I I think I have a dog to fight in that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like I mentioned, consumers are trusting us more. And I mean, 80% of them do think that we are on their side on choosing the doctors. And some of the things that we're doing to gain that trust with consumers, something that we should never minimize is the consumer reviews. The love knowing that there's consumer reviews out there for each of the doctors and that we're moderating each of those reviews. We're looking at each one of them before we post it. We're making sure that they're real. We actually have humans looking at them (laughs) before Mm -hmm. we post any of them and really very strict with our policy on consumer review. We have very strict guidelines overall for the real self participation. And I think that's a differentiator for us as well, where we really highlight that consumer safety based on the guidelines that we set in place for doctor participation in our platform.
1: Great. And I think verified can get confused with board certified or that we are attempting to, to replicate or suggest an alternative way to find a doctor. But that I don't believe was your intent.
2: No, that's not an intent at all. It's really verified is for those doctors that really have put in the forefront the trust and transparency. So we're checking their credentials every three months to make sure that they're in good medical standing. And, and that seems pretty straightforward to a lot of us who work in the industry and where we know where to find this information. But when we talk to consumers, they don't even know that. They're like, oh, I never thought about that. I, I can't remember top of mind, but there was a large number of consumers who didn't check doctor credentials before having their procedure. And then when we started that education of you need to mm. check your doctor's credentials and go through the different databases and go through that research, they're like, oh, I never knew that and really appreciate that real yeah. self is doing the work for me. And even it's not necessarily, yes, I can do it myself, but the education that this is something and it's a very critical step before choosing a doctor. Right. So
1: it, sh- it should be a natural part of your research, whether you do it through our platform or on your own. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. I just, as an anecdote, I tried to look up a doctor on the state of Washington medical information websites just to find out their standing. I was thinking of, of that doctor for one of my children and kind of important, right? Yep. I kid you not, here I'm in a technology space. I've been doing this a long time. I know how to use websites, you know, just like most people, but I figure I'm a little bit savvier than the average. I couldn't figure it out. I kept erroring out. I tried 10 different ways, searches and bullying that. And and I just finally gave up and I was super frustrated and I kind of felt paralyzed in my decision making process. So
2: yeah. And that's part of the education that we're doing with consumers. You need to make sure that you're checking the doctors that you're going to. Consumer reviews are very important as well because it really shows that the consumers are satisfied with that doctor. And then we're making sure that those doctors have also the photos for the consumer so that they can see their work.
1: Denise, thank you so much for uh, all the time you've spent with me today. And I've learned a lot more about you and your insights. But there must be at least, well, a dozen indicators you look at every day to see how you're doing, how your team is doing, and are you doing the right things? But if there's just one thing you were to look at, and maybe even doctors could look at it as a metric of success, what would that be?
2: Well, one of the things we look at for a business results is how many consumers are coming to Real Self because of the marketing channels? And the marketing channels we consider our homepage. So people that are coming directly to RealSelf.com through our email, through our community engagement, and through our social channels. So we've, in the last year, we've increased traffic from the marketing channels by 27%. So that number I look at daily because I want to see that what we're doing is impactful, that the content that we're putting out there, it's resonating with consumers enough to click and come to Real Self, and or that they remember Real Self enough to come and type RealSelf.com to our platform and really the go-to platform for their decisions on cosmetics.
1: There's some sage advice inside of that as well that you're sort of de-averaging the number instead of looking at like, this is how many people came to our website. You're looking underlying that, what were the drivers of that? Because it could be something that you have very little control over, like Google SEO or some other factor, paid advertising, which, you know, it could distort what the organic nature is. And I think that's really great.
2: Yeah, we definitely look at what are the things that are under our control? So the creative is under our control, the messaging, who we're talking to, and those are really things that we continue to experiment and optimize on and, and to try to get that right message to the right consumer. And they're coming to real self for, for their decisions and to find the providers.
1: Since my audience is made up of, of doctors and clinics and practice managers and people in our industry, do you have any one bit of advice? If you were standing in front of them all and they could hear you say, boy, this is one thing that you could do to improve the world for consumers, what would that be?
2: I think for all of us who are in this industry, we really understand why consumers are coming to our industry and to doctors to to have a cosmetic procedure. And my one advice or question or request to doctors is spend the time to educate consumers. I think that, that you'll find consumers that are very educated, very curious very engaged is, is the most one of the most important decisions that they make in their whole life because they have to live with it forever. And just spending the time to educate consumers and making them feel reassured. And a lot of times they might be saying, you know what, this is not right for you. And making those tough choices alongside with the consumer so that they're happy in the long term with the choices that they make.
1: Yeah, and I'd add to that, by the way, that don't underestimate the insatiable desire to be educated and informed. I was at a meeting and this doctor caught me by the collar, so to speak, and said, hey, Tom, I I just want you to know uh, there are fake questions being posted by your staff on RealSelf. And I was like, "Uh, can you help me understand that feedback? Because that's very bizarre because we don't have anyone posting fake questions. And the doctor proceeded to say, well these questions that are coming through are far too sophisticated for a a person to be asking. Somebody with medical training or some sort of insider knowledge would be asking this. And I said to the doctor, don't underestimate the power of both information gathering on the internet, but also the amount of information consumers need these days to feel fully informed and confident they can make the right decisions.
2: Yeah, it's it's not just information, but the insights that they're gathering. Mm. And if we don't give them the insights, they're going to, Kind of get to their own conclusions. So when we have the control of the information and, and the ability to really help them make those informed decisions, I think it's on us to continue to give them the facts. They love the facts. They, they want to know what's in it for them and how to make sure that they have something, the best decision for their bodies.
1: Denise Chesky, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day and thank you again.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Real Self University podcast. The mission of Real Self is to create a world where every investment in modern beauty is worth it, and Real Self University is here to help aesthetic professionals do just that. The mission of our podcast is to uncover stories and data from our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. If you'd like to be a guest on the Real Self University podcast, have feedback or questions, email university at realself.com. Support us and help us keep this effort going by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about becoming Real Self Verified, go to realself.com slash network and enter referral code podcast to receive 50% off your first full month of Real Self Spotlights. I'm your host and producer, Eva Shea. Our post-production is by Daniel Cruiser. All of our learning and practice development resources are available on demand at university.realself.com.